right, well, we're there in Genesis chapter 15, and we are in the middle of a series entitled, uh, that we're going through on Sunday nights, entitled The Patriarchs. We're studying the lives of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and over the last several weeks, we've been talking about the Abrahamic covenant, and we've been talking about this covenant that God made with Abraham, and the covenant, if you remember last week, in fact, look down at verse number 6, because last week we dealt with verses 1 through 6 of Genesis 15. Today we're going to deal with verses 6 through the end of the chapter, through uh, verse 21, and if you remember last week, we looked at this, this verse, and he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Now, we talked about how that is a very important verse in Scripture, and it's, a, it's quoted three times in the New Testament. Now, I'd like you to keep your place there in Genesis 15, and go with me to the book of James, which is towards the end of the New Testament. If you start at the end of the Bible, where the book of Revelation is, and you move backwards, you're going to have the book of Jude, uh, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John, 2nd and 1st Peter, and you got the book of James, all right? So you got Revelation, Jude, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, 1st, 2nd Peter, James. Go to James chapter number 2, and in James chapter 2 is one of the places where we find this verse quoted. Now, last week, I showed you that it's quoted in Romans chapter 4 and verse 3, and I'll just read that for you as you turn to James. Romans 4, 3 says, For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Last week, we also looked at the fact that it's quoted in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 6. I'll read that for you. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, last week we went through and studied Romans 4, Galatians 3, Genesis 15, and we saw all of the connections there and the way that we can learn from them. Last week we did not look at James 2.23 because James 2.23 teaches a different concept of the importance of this verse, and I want you to notice it. We're going to look at it tonight. Tonight's going to be very much of a Bible study, all right? We're going to look at a lot of Scripture. Be ready to flip pages. We're going to take notes because we're going to look at a lot of uh, uh, just kind of theology about the Abrahamic covenant, and then at the end, I'll make a couple of applications. We won't be very long. Uh, James chapter 2, look at verse number 23. The Bible says, and the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. So we see there, James 2, 23, quoting Genesis 15, 6, and he believed in the Lord, and he counted unto him for righteousness. Now, keep your place there in James. We're going to come back to it, put a bulletin or a ribbon or a bookmark, something in James 2, and head back to Genesis 15, and let's talk about what's happening here in this passage. If you remember, we have the Abrahamic covenant. We've been talking a lot about the Abrahamic covenant. We're going to actually going to move a little uh, in, in further into the life of Abraham. We're going to finish up this idea of the Abrahamic covenant, and we won't talk more about, uh, much more about it as we continue the, the life of Abraham. But I want you to notice in Genesis 15 and look at verse number 18. Genesis 15 and verse 18, the Bible says this, In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Now here's what you need to understand. The Abrahamic covenant was given over a period of time. There's not any one passage that you can point at and say, This is the Abrahamic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant was given several times. We find it the first time in Genesis chapter 12. You'll find it in Genesis 13. You find it 
it in Genesis 15. You'll find it again in Genesis 17. You'll find it again in Genesis 22. And every time we get a little more information, every time we get a little bit different aspect, and here's what I want you to understand. The covenant was not given to Abraham and simply stated one time, and that's what it was. The covenant was uh, given in a uh, process. It had to be fulfilled. There was things that God needed to do, and there were things that uh, Abraham needed to do, and we're going to look at those tonight. Now, I want you to notice in verse number 7, Genesis 15 and verse 7, like I said, we dealt with the first six uh, verses last week, but notice Genesis 15 and verse 7. The Bible says this, and he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of the Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. Now, if you remember, Abraham just got done winning the battle against the king of Sodom, and he refused to receive wages from the king of Sodom. God shows up and says, Abraham, I'm thy exceeding great reward. Abraham says to God, I don't want money. He said, I I have enough money. He said, money doesn't bring happiness. He said, what I want is an heir. And God tells him, hey, I'm going to give you an heir. He said, I am the Lord that brought thee out of the earth of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. Look at verse 8. And he said, Lord God, whereby. Now that word whereby means under what terms shall I know that I shall inherit it. So Abraham is basically asking God, okay God, since Genesis 12, you've been telling me about this covenant. You've been talking to me about this land you're going to give me. You've been telling me all uh, about these, this multitude of people that are going to descend. But he says, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit? He said, under what terms am I assured that you're going to do this? Now notice the response in verse 9. And he said unto him, this is God telling Abraham, this is the answer to the question, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? The answer is this, he said unto him, take me a heifer. Now a heifer is a young female cow. He says, take me a an heifer of three years old, and a she-goat, that's a female goat, of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, that's a small dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these, and notice, divided them in the midst. So he sacrifices these animals, and he literally cuts them in half. He takes the heifer, and he divides it in two. He takes the she-goat and divides it in two. He takes the ram and divides it. And if you think about a, a cow, I mean, even a young cow, this is a big animal. Think about a goat or a ram. These are... Good-sized animals. I mean, they're bigger than a dog, you know? And he cuts it in half. He kills it, and he divides it. Notice what the Bible says, verse 10. And he took unto them all these and divided them in the midst and laid each piece against the other, but the birds divided he not. So he didn't divide the two birds. He just put one turtle dove on one side, and then he put a pigeon on the other side. He put half the cow on one side, and he put half the cow on the other side. He put half the she-goat on one side, and he put half the, the ram on the other side. And... Often, you know, you, people will read this passage and they'll kind of scratch their heads and they'll say, what is going on here? You know, what is this about? Keep your place there in Genesis, uh, 20, uh, Genesis 15 and go to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah in the, 
in, in, towards the end of your Old Testament. You've got those big major books, uh, 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 prophetic books towards the end. You've got the book of Isaiah. You've got the book of Jeremiah. You've got a small book, Lamentations. You've got a big book, Ezekiel. If you can find those, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. Jeremiah is right in the middle. Jeremiah 34. At Verity Baptist Church, we believe that the Bible is its own dictionary. The Bible tells us that the way we, can, we study Scripture is by comparing spiritual with spiritual. The Bible uh, sheds light upon itself. And I want to show you what it is that is going on here and why God tells Abraham, I want you to divide these animals and I want you to put a side of their dead bodies on one side, part of their dead body, and I want you to put another part of their dead body on the other side. In Jeremiah 34 and verse 18, the Bible says this, Jeremiah 34. Are you there? I want you to see it. Jeremiah 34 and verse 18. This is God speaking to the children of Israel. He says, and I will give the men that have transgressed my covenant. So he's talking about men that made a covenant with God, but they transgressed it. They broke it. They went past the bonds that they had set in this covenant. He says, and I will give the men that have transgressed my covenant which have not performed the words of the covenant which they had made before me. Now notice how they made the covenant. When they cut the calf in twain. Do you see that? They had cut a calf in twain in two and passed between the parts thereof. God says, remember when you made that covenant with me? Remember when you cut that calf in twain and you laid one part of it on one side and one part of it on the other side and you passed through the middle? He said, when you did that, you entered into a covenant that now he's telling the children of Israel and Jeremiah, he says, which you have transgressed. Notice verse 19. He says, the princes of Judah and the princes of Jerusalem, the eunuchs and the priests and all the people of the land, which passed between the parts of a calf. See, the Bible tells us that when they would make a covenant covenant back in ancient Israel, they would sacrifice an animal and they would cut that animal in half and they would lay part of it on one side and part of it on the other side and they would walk through the midst and that was how they performed a covenant. God said here, they passed between the parts of the calf. He says that they cut the calf in twain. You say, well, what is that all about? Go back to Genesis 15. Now, we're going we're gonna to look at every verse, but I want you to skip to verse number 17 just real quickly. And I want you to notice what God does. Abraham is told to cut the, the heifer. You know, the, he kills it and part, divides it. He, the, he kills a sheep goat and divides it. He kills a ram and divides it. He kills two birds and he lays one on one side and one on the other side. He makes a pathway between them. And uh, just to get a little bit of the context, I told you to read verse 17, but look at verse uh, uh, look at verse 10, Genesis 15 and verse 10. And he took unto him all these and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against another, but the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. We're going to talk about these verses here in a little bit. Notice verse 13. And he said unto Abraham, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them, and hundred... Uh, uh, 400 years. We're going to talk about this here in a minute, but I want you to look at verse 17. And it came to pass. 
Because remember, in Jeremiah th- uh, 34, they cut the, 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 the what was that, that they, they, the calf in twain, and they passed through it. In Genesis 15, Abraham cuts the animals in twain, but I want you to notice who passes through it. Look at verse 17. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. You say, who was that? I'll, I'll prove that to you from the Bible. That was God. God walks through these dead animals and God, and and, and you say, well, why did he do that? Because that's how you establish a covenant. Abraham says, well, how do I know that you're actually going to give me this son? How do I know that you're actually going to give me this land? How do I know that you're actually going to fulfill the promise that you said? And God says to Abraham, cut these animals in half. Split them up. And he says, and I'll walk through them. You say, well, what, what is that about? What is the point of walking through the animals? Keep your place there. Go go with me to Psalm 23. You know Psalm 23. You know Psalm 23 is a famous passage. Many of you probably have it memorized. Psalm 23 is a passage that will often be referred to at a funeral. You ever go to a funeral, they will read, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. One of the reasons that Psalm 23 is often read in funerals, and if you open your Bible just right in the center, you're more than likely to find the book of Psalms. Psalm 23 is because of this verse, verse number 4. Psalm 23 and verse 4 says this, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they shall comfort me. I want you to understand, part of human life is that our life ends one day. One day, I will die. One day, you will die. And the Bible says that we will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's a very human thing to one day walk through death as we enter into eternity. The Bible tells us, as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. And whether you spend eternity in heaven or eternity in hell, unless you get raptured out of here, we are all going to one day walk through death. It's a human thing. It's something we will all experience at one point. But there's one person who will never experience death or should never experience death or never has a reason to experience death, and that's God, Almighty God. And God makes a promise with Abraham, and he says, you know what, Abraham? You want to know how you can know that you can trust my covenant? He says, one day God in the flesh will come down to earth, and God will walk through the midst of death. God will. He says you, 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 you sacrifice these animals and they represent death. They represent a sacrifice. They represent the fact that blood had to be shed. And he said one day God, he said not Abraham, God, not, not some other man, God will walk through death. He said, he said I'm going to walk through there. Abraham sits there and I want you to notice again, go back to Genesis 15, look at verse 17. It wasn't Abraham who walked through the dead pieces. It was God. Genesis 15 and verse 17, And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. And we know this, that the promise was given to Abraham, that the way that God walked through death is through his son. The God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ, came down to this earth, John the Baptist looked at him, right, and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. And God experienced death through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's what's interesting. 
in order for the, for the covenant to be fulfilled, God had to be willing to sacrifice his son and experience death. God himself walked through the path, the valley of death. So well, what does that have to do with James chapter 2? Can you get back there? James chapter 2. Remember in verse 23, we have a quote from Genesis 15. What's interesting about James chapter 2, if you look at verse number 21, and James has, I've preached a lot of sermons out of James 2 talking about faith without works is dead, and I'm not dealing with that tonight, but I've got a lot of sermons on that if that's something you're interested in. In James 2.21, the Bible says this, Was not Abraham our father justified by works? Now notice this word, when. When was Abraham our father justified by works? Here's when Abraham was justified by works. When he had offered Isaac, his son, upon the altar. That's Genesis 22. We're going to look at that in a minute. Now notice what it says in James 2.22. Seest thou how faith... Wrought, the word wrought means to work alongside. He says, seest thou how faith wrought or worked alongside with his works, and by works was faith made, don't miss this word, perfect. Now the word perfect in, the, in our King James Bible is not the same word that you and I use, for, you know, you and I say, oh, you know, that wedding was perfect. You know, nothing went wrong with it. And we, we're talking about the fact that it, 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 everything was fine. But the word perfect in the Bible means complete. It's translated in other places as the word fulfilled, finished, completed. And here's what the Bible tells us. When Abraham offered Isaac, his son, upon the altar, Genesis 22, I want you to understand that. He says, his faith worked alongside his works, and by works was faith made perfect. Notice verse 23, and the scripture was fulfilled. The scripture was completed. The scripture was made perfect. What scripture? Which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, Genesis 15. And he he was called the friend of God. You say, what does this have to do with Genesis 22, Genesis 15, James 2? Remember, in Genesis 15, Abraham asked the question, how do I know that I'm actually going to get this covenant? God says, I will personally walk in the midst. I will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will walk through death, and I will give you my son. And I'm going to prove to you that Abraham understood the concept of the resurrection. Now go to Genesis 22. I told you it's going to be kind of more of a Bible study tonight, so just kind of stay with me. We'll, we'll, we'll teach you what we need to teach you and then make a couple applications and we'll go. Genesis 22. Genesis 22 is what's being referred to in James 10 when Abraham had offered his son Isaac upon the altar. And in Genesis 22, we are told this. Genesis 22, look at verse number 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abram. Now, we're told, the Bible says that God does not tempt anyone with evil. This word tempt here does not mean he tempted him like Satan tempted uh, Jesus with sin. The word tempt, it's our word attempted or adventured. He, he put him up to a test. He put him up to a trial. He said, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abram and said unto him, Abram, and he said, behold, here I am. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And I'm not going to preach Genesis 22 to you, because we'll get to that in the series on the patriarchs, but just skip, skip over to verse number 10. I want you to notice what Abraham was willing to do with his son. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. 
And the angel Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So the, Abraham's literally getting ready. He's, take, he's taking a knife in his hand and he's, he's holding it above his son. And he's getting ready to sacrifice his son because that's what God told him to do. And before he actually performs the act, the Bible says in verse 11 that the angel Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know. That thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And look at verse number 16. And said, by myself have I sworn. Because remember, when God made that covenant in Genesis 15, God walked through the pieces, but Abraham did not. God said, by myself I have sworn. He said, so far it's just been me giving uh, sacrifice. So far it's just been me putting something on the line. I said that I would walk through death. I said that my son would be sacrificed. But now, Abraham, I see that you're willing to give up your son. Notice what he says in verse 16. And I said, by myself have I sworn, saith the Lord. For because thou hast done this thing, what thing? Because he was willing to sacrifice Isaac. He says, because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thine, uh, thy, thy son, thine only Son, notice verse 17, here we have the Abrahamic covenant, that in blessings I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gates of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Now you say, well, wait, wait a minute, God. We're in Genesis 22. And you're saying now because Abraham was willing to do this deed that in blessing I will bless thee. But you said that all the way in Genesis 12. You said that all the way in Genesis 13. You said that all the way in Genesis 15. You said that all the way in Genesis 17. What do you mean now because he's done this act in Genesis 22? Why is it that now you're going to actually perform the covenant? Because here's what you need to understand. The covenant was not given to Abraham as simply just given to him and, and it was rightfully his. The covenant was not salvation. All right. Sometimes people get confused. You know, we are are saved by simply calling upon the name of the Lord for salvation and faith in Jesus Christ. But this covenant, Abraham had to be willing to do something to get into it. See, God walked through the pieces and said, I'm willing to die to prove to you. I'm willing to give up my son to prove to you that I will give you this covenant. And he says, Abraham, what are you willing to do? And in Genesis 22, he says, give me thy son, thine only son, Isaac. Can you make your way back to James? Did you keep your place in James? Go back to James. Look at what he says. James chapter 2. Look what he says. Verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works? James 2, 21. When he was justified by works, when he had offered Isaac and set upon the altar, seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was made, made perfect? Verse 23. And the scripture was Fulfilled. See, when Abraham believed God in Genesis 15, he said that was fulfilled. That was made perfect. That was completed. That was brought to a, the finish. That, that was done. It was fulfilled in Genesis 22 when Abraham offered his son upon the Isaac. It, and he said the scripture was fulfilled. We say Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Please understand this. When you get saved, that's just the beginning. You say, well, I believe God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Okay, but God doesn't want us to stay there. You don't need to do anything to be saved, but you do need to be willing to sacrifice to grow in the Lord. You do need to be willing to give up some things in order to get the blessings and promises of God. 
And the Bible tells us, hey, Abraham, what we started when you believed, it was fulfilled when you were willing to sacrifice. And he said, we entered into this covenant. God said, I was willing to sacrifice my son. And then he says, Abraham, you were willing to sacrifice your son. Now, we see in this story here, well, let me show you this real quickly, and then we'll, we'll go back. Go, go to Hebrews 11. You're there in James. So just right before the book of James, you got the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 11. And look at verse number 17, and I'll show you that the gospel was preached to the Old Testament saints in the same way it was preached to New Testament saints. I showed it to you last week, but I'll show it to you from a different angle this week. Hebrews 11 and verse 17, notice what the Bible says. By faith. People say in the Old Testament they were saved by works. What's funny that the Bible tells us here by faith Abraham. Abraham, and in all Hebrews 11, gives us all sorts of Old Testament characters that were, and they all, all their stories start like this, by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, that was tested or tempted, remember that word? Offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall I seed be called. Notice verse 19, accounting that God was able to raise him up. See, Abraham did not go up on that mountain, grab that knife, and was just faking it the whole time, was just running, you know, just... He, he knew that God was going to stop him. You know, Abraham was like, okay, God, any time now. You know, Abraham was willing to bring that thing down. You say, well, why? Notice, here's why. Look at verse 19. Accounting that God was able to raise him up. Here's what Abraham believed. Abraham believed, if I go up on that mountain and I kill Isaac, God will resurrect him. You say, well, why would he think that? Because he'd already heard of a resurrection. He'd already been taught by God that there was a Messiah coming that would die and be resurrected. He said, hey, if God can resurrect his son, then surely he can resurrect my son. If God, can bring, if God is willing to cross through death and pass through death and bring back his son, he said, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Remember when we're studying the Old and New Testament? You, ever, you see that word figure? It's symbolism. It's showing us something to come. It's a picture of better things to come. So we see, the first thing I want you to notice that we see in this passage is we see the fulfillment of Abraham's covenant. We see that it was completed in Genesis 22. But I want you to notice another thing uh, if you make your way back to Genesis 15. Not only do we see the fulfillment of Abraham's covenant, but we also see the future of Abraham's covenant. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 13. Genesis chapter 15 and verse number 13. And he said unto Abraham, Unto Abram. This is God speaking to Abram. He explains to him how we're going to fulfill, how we're going to finish this covenant. He said, you want to know that it's for sure? Okay, kill these animals, lay them on every side. He said, and I'll walk through them. He said, I will walk through death to, to make sure you understand that I'm not backing down on this. And then Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son. And God said, okay, we got a covenant now. Okay, we've got a deal now. Okay, Abraham, we're going to go through with this. He tells him about the fulfillment of the covenant, but he also tells him about the future of his covenant. God begins to give Abraham some... Uh, 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 Look into the future into regards of these people that he's going to give him. And it's interesting. Notice Genesis 15 and verse 13. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger. The word stranger means a foreigner. A stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them. That's talking about slavery. And shall afflict them 
400 years. Now keep your place there in Genesis. Go to Exodus chapter number 1. Just real quickly. We're going to flip back and forth between Genesis and Exodus uh, just to show you a couple of these things. We won't be very long. Exodus chapter 1. God tells Abraham, your children are going to be strangers in a land that's not theirs and shall serve those people in that land and those people are going to afflict them. Notice how that was fulfilled in Exodus chapter 1. Look at verse 8, Exodus chapter 1 and verse 8. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. Remember Joseph brought the children of Israel into Egypt because he brought them in for the famine, but they stayed longer than they should have. And the Bible tells us that a new king came over Egypt, who knew, which knew not Joseph. Look at verse 9. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them. Lest they multiply, and it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to, don't miss these words, afflict them with their burdens. And they built Pharaoh treasured cities from Python and Ramsey. So you see, in Genesis 15, 13, Abraham was told, Your seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. And in Exodus 1, verses 8 through 11, that's fulfilled. All right? Let me show you another prophecy. Keep your place there in Exodus. Go back to Genesis 15. Look at verse 14. He says, And also, and also that nation. What nation? Egypt. Whom they shall serve. Whom shall serve? Abraham's descendants. Will I judge? What's a a reference to? The ten plagues? Remember when Moses came and brought those ten plagues to judge the people? And notice what he says. Afterward. After what? After he judges them. After the plagues. Shall they come out with, notice, great substance. God says, they're going to come out after I judge the nation with great substance. Go to Exodus chapter 12. Look at verse 35. Exodus chapter 12, I'm I'm showing you these prophecies. The first one was a prophecy of coming slavery. The second one was a prophecy of coming spoil. Notice Exodus 12 and verse 35. When the children of Israel are getting ready to leave the land of Egypt, the Bible says, and the children of Israel, Exodus 12, 35, and the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment, And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. You see that? They borrowed from them. They say, can I borrow this? Can I borrow that? As they're leaving Egypt, and they're not coming back. You say, well, was that wrong? No, they've been working for 400 years. They got paid. God made sure they got a paycheck before they left. They've been slaves for 400 years. Now Now they got paid. You know, it was a little late, but they got some money. And, and they, you were able to use that money to fund, you know, the, the, the new uh, nation that they're starting. And that's why they had the money to be able to uh, do all the things that they did to build a tabernacle and all those things. But that was all prophesied to Abraham in Genesis 15. He says, hey, your people, yeah, they're going to serve, but I'm going to judge them. And afterward, they're going to come out with great substance. And all of that was prophesied. Let me give you one more. So we saw a prophecy of coming slavery. We saw a prophecy of coming spoil. Let me give you one third thing. We see a picture of coming security. Notice Genesis 15. We're going to come right back to Exodus, but look at Genesis 15 and verse 15. Genesis 15 and verse 15. I know tonight's a little more of a Bible study, but I think that's why you came to church, right? You come, come to read, read and study the Bible. 
Genesis 15, look at verse 15. Notice what the Bible says. And thou, talking about Abraham, shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet full. And I, I'm going to deal, I, that, there's a lot in that verse right there. We're not going to deal with that tonight. We're going to deal with that phrase in a coming sermon, so just stay tuned, all right? Same Verity time, same Verity channel, all right? But look, look at verse 17. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, I want you to notice what it says, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Now, on our, on our study on Wednesday night, we, we just saw, and I didn't work this out. I'm not smart enough to do that. But we just saw how David conquered the land up to the river Euphrates. Do you remember that? And this was a fulfillment of here. It's funny how God works all those things out in, in different studies of the Bible. It's, all, it's almost like it was all written by the same person. You know what I mean? Um, but look, look, now I want you to keep your finger there in Genesis 15, all right? And I want you to notice this, this phrase. Behold a smoking furnace and a burning lamp, all right? And go to Exodus 13 and verse 21. Remember when the children of Israel, because we just got all these prophecies about Abraham's coming descendants, Right? He was told they're going to be put into slavery. They're going to serve a strange land. They're going to, uh, it's going to be 400 years. They're going to come out with great substance. We're told all these things. And then God appears to Abraham and walks through the, the, the valley of the shadow of death there. He walks through the sacrifice that, that pictures death. And he appears as a smoking furnace and a burning lamp in Genesis 15 and verse 17. Here's what's interesting about that. When the children of Israel come out of Egypt and they begin to wander in the wilderness, guess who leads them? God. Guess what he looks like when he leads them? Exodus 13, look at verse 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a, of a cloud. Now here's what's interesting. When God led them during the day, he appeared to them as a pillar of a cloud. When he appeared to Abraham to walk through the, the, through the sacrifice, he appeared as a smoking furnace. As a fire with a lot of smoke coming out of it. What does a fire with a lot of smoke look like? It looks like a pillar of cloud. Notice Genesis 13, 21. To lead them by the way and by night in a pillar of fire. Notice again Genesis 15, 17. Behold a smoking furnace and a burning lamp. Do you see how God is allowing Abraham to see a little bit into the future? He shows him, he tells him, your people are going to be enslaved, Abraham. They're, they're, they're going to go through a, a 400 years of bondage and they're going to come out with much spoil. And, and then he allows him to see how God will lead them in the wilderness with a, a pillar of a cloud and a pillar of fire. Notice Exodus 13, 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them, uh, to, to lead them the, the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day nor the pillar of the fire by night from before the people. So when God led the children of Israel in the wilderness, he appeared as a pillar of a cloud and as a pillar of fire. And when God appears to Abraham to establish the covenant about his people, he appears like a smoking furnace and a burning lamp. And showing him the future of the covenant, that there would be a people, but they would be in bondage. 
and they would go through a lot of struggles. So we see the fulfillment of Abraham's covenant, and we see the future of Abraham's covenant. Go back to Genesis 15, and let me give you a couple of applications, and we'll be done. That's all the, the, the theology part. That's all the explanation. That's all the teaching. I hope that makes sense to you, and I, I, I hope that's interesting to you. I mean, studying the Bible is interesting to me. I like studying the Word of God and, 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 and seeing spiritual, comparing spiritual with spiritual. But let me give you a couple of applications, and we'll finish up. Look at Genesis 15 and verse 11. Remember Abraham? He cuts up the animals, divides them. And he's basically just sitting there waiting to see, okay, God, what are you going to do? And the Bible says in verse number 11, And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Because you got these dead animals. And these birds come down, and they're basically landing on these dead animals. And Abraham just kind of shoes them off and, and drives them away. You say, well, well, what's that about? Okay, just real quickly, let's go to Matthew 13 and look at verse number 3. Matthew 13 and verse number 3. You say, what, what, what do the fowls represent? What, what are the fowls about? Well, in Matthew, we're given a very famous parable by the Lord. And he uses the fowls to represent something specific. Matthew 13, look at verse number 3. Matthew should be fairly easy to find, first book in the New Testament, Matthew 13 and verse number 3. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and, don't miss this, the fowls came and devoured them up. You say, okay, well, what are those fowls? Well, in Matthew 13, the first part of the chapter, we're given the parable. At the end of the chapter, he gives us the uh, explanation of the parable. Look at verse number, you say, what are those fowls? What is that? What's that all about? Look at Matthew 13 and verse number 18. Matthew 13 and verse number 18. Notice what the Bible says. Matthew 13 and 18. He says, hear ye therefore the parable of sower. He said, let me explain it to you. Matthew 13, verse 18. Hear ye therefore the parable of sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one. You see that? Those are the fowls. And catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. So he says, look, seed falls on the wayside and the fowls come. And then he tells us, here's what I mean by that. The fowls represent the wicked one. In another, in other passages, we're told it's the devil. All right? The fowls represent the devil. You say, well, I don't understand what this has to do with anything. Go back to Genesis 15. Look at verse 12. In verse 11, we're told that the fowls came and Abraham drove them away. In verse 12, we're told, and when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram and lo, notice, don't miss these words, and lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. God shows up to Abraham and says, Abraham, I am thy exceeding and great reward. I'm going to give you a lineage. I'm going to give you a descendancy. I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you people like the dust of the earth, like the sand of the sea, like the stars in heaven. He said, you're going to have all of this. And Abraham says, great, God. That's wonderful, God. How do I know that I'm going to get this, God? God says, let's make a covenant. Cut up the sacrifice. Lay them down. And as Abraham is waiting on God, the foul show. As Abraham is waiting a God, on God, a deep sleep fell upon him. Are you seeing that in verse 12? As Abraham is waiting on God, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. And then God says, hey, Abraham, you, you, think it's, you think it's hard while you're waiting on me that the fowls show up? You think it's hard while you're waiting on me that you get tired and sleepy? You think it's hard while you're waiting on me that a great horror of great darkness comes upon you? He says, you know what, Abraham, it's going to get worse. Let me tell you about your people. 
they're going to get enslaved. Let me tell you about your people. They're going to be put in bondage for 400 years. Let me tell you about your people. They're going to have to be, uh, uh, the only way they're even going to come out is after I judge them, is after I send my man with the ten plagues to bring them out. And here's what he's telling Abraham. Abraham, yes, you have a promise. Abraham, yes, you have a covenant. Abraham, yes, you got something to rely on. But it may get worse before it get better. And listen to me. Sometimes we enter into these promises of God and we sing the song, Standing on the promises of God our King. But while we're waiting on God, we get discouraged because Satan shows up. We get discouraged because the fouls show up. While we're waiting on God and we're saying, well, God's going to see us through and God's going to do a great work and God's going to do something great and wonderful that he promised in my life. And then the fouls show up or then we get tired or then a great horror comes upon you. And most people quit when it's not super easy to get the promises of God. Look, when God makes you a promise, you may have to fend off some fouls. When God makes you some promises, you may have to go through some dark night. Psalm 30 and verse 5, you have to turn there. It says, for his anger endureth but a moment, and in his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Sometimes we go through seasons in life where things look like they're a mess. When things look like it's just a horror of great darkness. Sometimes you stand up to preach on a Sunday night and you preach a sermon and, 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 and you don't say anything different than anything you've ever said. You preach the exact same sermon three or four different times and then the media gets a hold of it and you're thinking to yourself, what did I do? A horror of great darkness. You know, things are falling apart. How is all this going to work out? The foul showed up. But listen to me. Sometimes things get worse before they get better. Sometimes you go through a time of purging. Sometimes you go through a time where God has to cleanse you. Sometimes you go through a time where God just wants to see, Abraham, are you serious about what we said? Abraham, are you willing to endure? And I'll tell you this, most Christians, most Christians are not. Well, I don't know if I can deal with all of that. Good night. I like that preaching until, you know, all my coworkers find out about it. Until my extended family find out about it. Till my neighbors find out about it. Look, if the hardest thing you and I go through is your neighbor won't wave at you, I don't think you're going to want to be bragging about that to Paul in heaven. Oh, man, I went through a lot of persecution. I had to take the trash out of the neighbor just kind of went like this. You know, because I went to Verity. Listen, sometimes while we're waiting on God, there's a horror of great darkness. Sometimes the fowls show up. Sometimes God just wants to see if you are willing to wait and be faithful even as things. See, we love the resurrection, but in order to get to the resurrection, you have to go through three days of Jesus dying. You understand that? The resurrection was great, yeah, but in order to get there, you have to go through three days of what's going on. You have to go through three days of did God fail us? You have to go through three days of I I left my home and I left my family and I left everything to follow this man. I thought he was God and now he's dead. To get to the resurrection, sometimes you have to go through the darkness. Sometimes you have to go through the hours of horror. Sometimes you have to go through the hours of sleepiness. Remember when Jesus was getting ready to be crucified, what were Peter and James doing? Sleeping. Watchest not thou with me one hour? See, God wanted to know if Abraham was willing to give the ultimate sacrifice. Here's a question I have for you. If you were Abraham, would you have fulfilled the covenant, or would you have failed? 
Abraham had one, the one thing he wanted was a son. He had all the money that he could have. He had all the wealth that he could have. He had everything. The one thing he wanted was a son. And when he finally got that son, God says, sacrifice me. And sometimes God comes to you and I and he says, hey, you know that one thing you really like? That one thing? Give me that. Give me that. And you and I sit there and go, okay, God. Okay. Anytime now. Are you ever willing to actually sacrifice him? What is the Isaac in your life? What is the one thing that God is wanting to see? Is he actually willing to give? Is she actually willing to do without? Is she actually willing to give it up? Would he have failed? Or would he have fulfilled? See, Abraham got to the point where he realized everything I am and everything that I have is because of God. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And you and I, let's just remember, you say, well, God, you promised. And God, you said. And things look dark. And I'm kind of tired right now. And all these fowls are showing up. And all these devils are showing up. And they're protesting outside. So what do we do? You just wait on God. You just fend them away. You just wait and let God show up. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly